The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all of this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except, except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. One of my favorite motifs within Lutheran theology is what Luther has to say in his writing, The Freedom of a Christian. In it, Luther writes that a Christian is perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all, subject of all. And I really love this quote because it reminds me daily of faithfulness. It reminds me of God's faithfulness in Christ Jesus to restore creation broken by sin. And it reminds me of God's calling in my life to be faithful toward all humanity in response to the faithfulness which God has shown me. Faithfulness, to me, is synonymous with commitment. It's like one of those Mobius strips, where one ends, the other begins, and as you look at it, it has no beginning and no ending. God's faithfulness toward all of humanity, completely in spite of the fact that humanity chose sin over God, is committed to fullness of life. And it's not a thought or an idea that begins here and ends here. It's a constant thread through the narrative of God and of God's people, and it is a present thread in our own narratives and lives and stories today. And it's beautiful because it implies that God is actively present, that God is close, that God is working, and that God is aware. It says that God knows of the need that humanity has for God, whether or not we're aware of it ourselves. I like to think of it in terms of God seeing. I was a graphic designer before I began seminary, 
And I will never forget the art class that I took in college that truly opened my eyes. I began to see color within color. When I looked at the clouds, I saw greens and blues and yellows, reds, oranges, purples, anything but white. And once I knew how to look, how to see, I couldn't stop seeing. This is the same with God's commitment of faithfulness toward humanity. God sees. God sees everything. Where we might only see someone on the side of the road holding a sign asking for assistance, God sees that person and knows that person. God knows the number of hairs on their head. God knows the dreams they have at night. God knows what makes them laugh and cry. God knows that person because God sees. I wonder how different our lives would be if we were willing to truly see. I wonder how different our world would be if we lived in a way that was committed to seeing people, not just glancing or looking or letting our eyes skim over as we go on our way, but truly seeing. As I thought about the text this week, I was struck by Jesus' sadness about his own people refusing to see him for who Jesus truly was. I have to imagine that there were people in that crowd around him who only saw him for what he used to be or what they wanted him to be. Perhaps there was someone in the crowd who had seen Jesus as a young boy and so only thought of Jesus as a young boy. Others maybe had work done by him as a carpenter, so maybe they only saw him as a carpenter. And so the response to Jesus going off the beaten path and challenging social constructs is one of, who is this guy and what does he want? I grew up in a really big family. I have seven sisters And I remember growing up feeling like I had to fit in with the standards of what it meant to be a fresh girl. My maiden name was Fresh. And I remember entering sixth grade and having teachers call me by my last name only without really getting to know me for who I was. And occasionally when I still go back to my hometown, I run into people who knew me from a long time ago And it's pretty evident that they still think of me in those terms from a long time ago. And so it's interesting, this idea of seeing, because what it truly means is that to see, we have to actively take a step back from our assumptions and our beliefs and our expectations to learn about people for who they truly are. We have to take a step back from pushing someone into the mold that we have created for them with the possibility of them being entirely different than we expect or experience or even desire. There's a tribe in South Africa that uses a greeting that is very interesting to me. And the greeting is sawabona, which means I see you. And the response is sikona, which means I am here. 
And what this greeting suggests is that the act of seeing is what brings someone or something into existence. And it's validating because it offers the one being greeted the space to be seen for who and what they are. I asked the question earlier of how different our world might look if we committed to seeing people as people, as people for who they are, with all of their qualities, good and bad, all of the things that make them truly them. And I think this is what faithfulness, what commitment towards God's creation means for us. I think this is what it means to be committed to being part of God's creation. Because it would mean that before we say, I want to help you, before we say, I love you, before we say, I want to change you, we would say, I see you. And we'd mean it. We live in a world where it's so easy to not see people to not see them as a human being, as someone worth having fullness of life. Our world makes it terribly simple to stand back and slap other labels on top of our vision of that person. But when we do that, we miss so many opportunities. One of the major themes of the gospel text today involves Jesus instructing those who go out in his name. We, as Christians, so often, always, put ourselves in the position of the ones going out in the name of Christ. We hear that mission. We hear it well. We live for that mission. We get so much value and honor from that mission, and unfortunately, horrific things are done, have been done, will be done in the name of Christ. And so this idea where Jesus says to shake, sorry, I'm gesticulating a little wildly, apparently. (laughs) So this idea of Jesus telling his disciples to shake the dust from the sandals, it is so disturbing to me. It is really something that we already do really well. We take this phrase, this statement from Jesus, as instruction. We use it as permission. We take it as a responsibility to pass judgment on other people. We hear this phrase from Jesus as empowerment to judge others, especially those whom we would maybe deem as other Anyone who doesn't meet our standards or assumptions or understandings or expectations. And so today, I want to ask you to look at this phrase through a different lens. Instead of interpreting this phrase from Jesus as instructions to us, as a means of empowerment and judgment of others, instead of using this phrase to engage in atrocities in the name of the gospel, I invite you to place yourself in the role of the homeowners who would be welcoming the disciples on their journeys. I invite you to imagine that instead of being the one 
who is sent out by Jesus to disciple and to minister, I invite you to place yourself in the role of the person being visited. Place yourself in the position of host, meeting and welcoming the stranger and the outsider, seeing them for who they are as a beloved disciple of Jesus and a beloved child of God, rather than expecting something from them What if we were the ones to offer abundantly to those who have been sent without shoes, without clothes, without bread or shelter, without safety? Instead of expecting provision for ourselves, what if we place ourselves in the position of host and embody God's offering to those in need? There's another quote from the freedom of a Christian that I really like, and I believe it sheds understanding on this mentality. It says, although the Christian is thus free from all works, he ought in this liberty to empty himself, taking upon the form of a servant. Though being made in the likeness of men, being found in human form, serving, helping, in every way dealing with his neighbor as he sees that God, through Christ, has dealt and still deals with him. Being human and dealing with our neighbors as God deals with us. What does it mean to deal with our neighbor as we see how God has dealt with us and still deals with us through Christ? What does a mindset like this look like? It means being vulnerable. It means being open. It means allowing space for people to be as God has created them. It means opening our hearts and our homes and our lives to the other. It means emptying ourselves, pouring ourselves out in love and service to the world around us. This is what it means to be committed to being faithful to see people. God, in God's infinite wisdom, created humanity as being widely different and varied, vibrant in so many ways. And if we deny this, we deny God's declaration of creation being very good. If we deny this, we assert judgment over God. If we deny this, we say that God's love is not without limit. And it's precisely from that denial, from that judgment, that we are freed. Not through judgment upon us, but judgment through the sinless Jesus. It's on the cross that God displays God's commitment and faithfulness toward all of humanity. And it is at the cross that God invites us to live lives of service and love toward the rest of humanity. Where we are invited to really see people and see them as God created them. And it's to that place that God invites us to be seen, to be known to live without fear and judgment. Maybe this is something that you haven't done here before. 
But right now, I'd like to invite you to stand as you wish and to greet those around you with the words, I see you, and to respond with the words, I am here. And as you do this, I invite you to really see those around you, to really see them for who God has created them to be. And I invite you to begin to see yourself as God has created you to be as well. I invite you to live in this way toward your neighbor, both near and far, those whom you know and those for whom you are a stranger, those who you agree with, those whom with you disagree, those who are like you and those who are different. I invite you to see them, to remember that God sees them and knows them and loves them. I invite them to see you, just as God sees you and knows you and loves you. Amen.